We'd like to welcome you back to our current event and weekly Bible study for June 12th, 2011, continuing with this study on hidden Luciferians in the Christian culture. Uh, <clears throat> it goes on to say, imagine if there were football players who were being made to watch game films of their opposing team so as to scrutinize their strategies, weaknesses, strengths, etc. Could you ever imagine the players complaining to the coach... Coach, we don't like this at all. You have, an, you have a, quote, unhealthy focus. You've become obsessed with the opponent. By viewing these films, we're afraid the opposing players are now going to come over to our homes and haunt us, maybe. So, again, this is a comparison of not studying, or at least being aware of the devices of Satan, lest he get an advantage of us. I mean, if you're going to play, if, if you're going to go against somebody in a, as an opponent, you want to study your opponent so you know the best way to um, gain victory over the opponent. But if you know nothing about the opponent, if the opponent is hidden, which for the most part in the church, I would say that Satan is not emphasized, demonic things, evil entities, these types of things, they're devices, they're not emphasized, they're not talked about, it's not popular. And um, for the most part, and a lot of times, they're just not even discussed. So they're not known about. So then Satan has this, these gigantic advantages over um, many people you know, in the church. And they're not even aware of it. Another objection I have encountered, back to this article, is there's a distaste among some of my Bible-believing Christian friends that delving into this matter of interpreting uh, occult symbolism I have some other folks try to offer suggestions. Rather than studying occult symbolism in the occult world, aren't we better served by simply studying the Bible, the truth of God's word, so that they thereby can recognize the falsehoods and trickery of occultism and occultists and occultism? The problem is, is that it doesn't quite work that way. In proposing such a thing, we're in danger of spiritualizing something that requires a practical approach. An example. Now, again, I would always, always say yes, Bible study the Word of God, prayer, that should be definitely foundational. The main thing emphasized. Beyond that, um, he goes on to say, the problem is, is, it, is it doesn't quite work that way. Uh, in proposing such a thing, we're in danger of spiritualizing something that requires a practical approach. An example of what I mean by spiritualizing that would be, if a person saw that his backyard lawn needed mowed, and instead of getting a lawnmower, he pulled out a lawn chair sat on the patio and began praying fervishly for the grass to become shorter. If you think about it, it doesn't make, make much sense to try to identify hidden occultists with their secret code of communications only through reading the Bible. Not to say God can't show you these things, it's just that you know everything has its place type of thing. How would that be any different, for example, than the notion that one could interpret and learn the sign language for hearing impaired only through studying uh, scriptural passages. I believe you could probably scrutinize God's word for decades and never learn a thing about sign language. Why? Well, they're apples and oranges. They're two totally different things. Ultimately, your ultimate discerning biblical wisdom comes via the power of the Holy Spirit that lives inside you as a born-again Christian and through studying the word of God. Yes, I mean, you, God can grant you these things and give you these gifts and as, as you uh, study the word of God and you build your faith you know that's going to definitely help in huge huge ways. But if you're not even aware of Satan's devices, um, you know it, it's it's just going to be a big drawback. Going further here, uh, another example. It would be like trying to use the guidance of Scripture to repair your TV set. Obviously, it's an inappropriate application. To this. In this day and age, it would behoove Christian people to learn to recognize some of the symbols and codes that are used by occultists, which we're going to look at in depth. And again, these are devices of Satan, which we're not supposed to be ignorant of. At this point, occultists are having veritable conversations with each other in full view of humanity. And the church-going folk don't have a clue about any of this, for the most part. They have waltzed right into Christian bookstores, right, in, right onto the shelves with their CDs and books, in all other words, this occult curse symbolism. And they've infiltrated churches and organizations completely unnoticed. 
How many times do we see church-going young people flashing the devil's horns at a Christian concert, which is the Cornudo sign? Or flashing the occultic peace sign? That's also bad. And then he goes on to say, I'm not saying someone is going to turn into a pillar of salt if they doodle a peace symbol inside the flap of their Bible, but there has been an accumulation of cultural and spiritual illiteracy and a general lack of awareness regarding the world around us, which has put evangelical Christians in a very dangerous position. And not only that, they've they've been bringing a lot of these symbols into their homes, which is like bringing a cursed object into your house. And you just don't know how that could affect you spiritually. As you will see, there is a master plan behind this infiltration. They aren't doing this just to be obnoxious. A trap is being set. It is a trap that is warned about on the prophetic pages of Scripture, things that pertain to the end times. Jesus warned of the great apostasy deception in his Olivet Discourse. That is what the satanic infiltration efforts are all about. The other day I was having a conversation with an otherwise seemingly earnest and well-meaning Christian when, in mid-conversation, he rapped his knuckles on the desk and made the statement, Well, knock on wood, hopefully that will never happen. End of quote. Knock on wood, I suppose many would say I make too much of too little, but technically, that is a salute to the forces of darkness. Now, I didn't know that. I really didn't. I knew it wasn't good, but I didn't know it was that. Uh, So, knock on wood is a salute to the forces of darkness. Personally, I am no more comfortable with that than someone who would give me a quick Zieg Heil Nazi salute. I find little excuse for that level of unawareness and spiritual illiteracy among Christian people. As you find out, There's a heavy price to pay for a cavalier attitude many churchgoers have these days toward the elements of the occult in our midst. Each person who becomes informed and aware of these diabolical schemes is one more light that is pushing back the darkness and the deception. There you go. Right there. Each person who becomes informed and aware of these diabolical schemes is one more light quote, light, that is pushing back the darkness and the deception. I, mean, I think there's that expression, how much darkness does it, does it take to extinguish one candle? Well, uh, think about that one. <laughs> there's, not, there's not enough darkness in the universe to extinguish one candle, one light. Because that light's always going to shine in darkness. And we are to be salt and light, according to the Bible, and we're not supposed to hide our light under a bushel basket. Salt and light. Light exposes darkness. Okay? Uh, what, I mean, that's what light does, right? I mean, it gives you light in darkness. You know, thy word is a lamp under my feet and a light under my path, as it says in Psalm 119. I believe in 105. Thy word is a lamp under my feet and a light under my path. Okay, so that's the word is compared with that. So this is something that's a very, very important concept. Okay, so here's another verse that kind of relates to that concept. Okay, and this is the top verse when you see the little scriptural box on my PDFs. This is the top verse, the first verse I list. Ephesians 5, 11 in 13 through 16, and it says, and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. Now, if you don't even know what the unfruitful works of darkness are, how do you know to not have fellowship with them? In other words, you're unaware of the unfruitful works of darkness, and you're having fellowship with them. Well, it says to have no fellowship with them. Well, the only way you can have no fellowship is to be made aware that they're unfruitful works of darkness. You have to be educated you have to study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. But these are things that these devices of Satan need to be shown to you, right? Or how are you going to even know they're a device of Satan if you're never shown? Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. What does that word mean? That word means, in, in the biblical context, it's with with which it was written, according to the 1828 Noah Webster Dictionary, which defines the words in the King James Bible more in the context of which they were written. Word reprove means to blame, to convince a fault, or to make it manifest. In other words, to expose it, to blame it, to convince a fault, to excite a sense of guilt. So, no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. 
But all things that are approved are made manifest by the light. Remember we were just talking about light? See, things that are in darkness are reproved, and they're made manifest, they're brought to light, they're exposed by the light. And we're supposed to be salt and light. For whatsoever doth make manifest is light. Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. See, a lot, most of the people in the modern day church in particular are sleeping. They call themselves Christians, but they're sleeping. The Bible says, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. But it's something you got to want. I mean, it's not just something that you, you just are automatically owed. I mean, I, I, you, need to, you need to pursue righteousness. Um, and you need to make sure that you're having no fellowship with these things, and you need to make sure you're exposing these things, and you make, need to make sure you're salt and light. Um, arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. See then that you walk circumspectly. Okay, what's that word mean? So that's, this is a commandment, this is a, an admonishment to Christians out of the word of God. Well, that word circumspectly means you're supposed to walk cautiously, with watchfulness in every way, with attention to guard against surprise or danger. Well, all you have to do is go into a, a modern day, most of modern day churches, and you're going to have all kind of garbage that you're dealing with. We're supposed to walk cautiously and with watchfulness in every way. That's that's what where's this? That's what's expected of us. But most people who would identify themselves as Christians don't think in these terms. Not not in a Christian demonic. You know, light versus darkness, Satan versus Satan and the forces of evil versus Father God, Jesus Christ, and good angels and, and his remnant. We don't think in those terms mostly. Whereas that's the real true battle that's going on around us. We're, walk, we're to walk circumspectly, not as fools. Most people are walking around as fools. They don't, they don't have a clue of what's really going on in this end time battle. They don't. They don't have a clue. They haven't been educated about it, nor do they really even want to know about it. Most. I'm not saying all, but most. We're supposed to walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. Matthew 24, 24. If it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. These false prophets. They shall deceive the very elect, if it were possible. See, a lot of people that claim to be prophets nowadays. A lot of people. Oh, I got a word of the Lord. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, you know what? If that word don't line up with the word of God, and it doesn't come to pass, then you didn't hear it from God. And lucky, I, I saw this the other day. Not lucky, because that, that word's like from Lucifer. But, Harold Camping's very... Uh, fortunate's a bad word too, because it's fortune and that type of thing. Uh, he's he's very. Uh, um, I, I can't even think of a word. It's good for him, I guess, that he wasn't born in Old Testament times, because he would have been stoned a long time ago. Good old Harold Camping, who's you know predicted this end of the world and was wrong again as usual. Did it once before. Did you see pictures of that guy speaking? I'm sorry, but <laughs> that guy just looks evil. It's like Kevin Copeland all over to me. I mean, I'm sorry, but that's I just got a real creepy feeling about the guy. In Old Testament times, Harold Campion would have been taken out and stoned the first time that he pulled all this nonsense about predicting the end of the world. Oh, got it wrong. It was like 15 or 16 years off. Well, then he sets another date and that doesn't come to, ha- come to pass either. He would have been taken out and stoned. So, uh, as a false prophet, Deuteronomy 18, just check check it. I mean, that's what they're supposed to do to him in the Old Testament times. So, um, Again, 2 Corinthians 2.11 says, Lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. Back then, there weren't near as many devices of Satan as there are today. 
through the modern day advent of technology and TV and radio and magazines and newspapers and, and all of the, of the different ways, there are so many more devices of Satan now than they ever had to contend with back in the, the biblical times. So, you know, these are things that we want to, that, that are biblical that we're doing that we want to keep in mind that we're, I, re- I really believe are, that are expected of us to do. They, these are, these are things that are a reasonable service. You know, is the way it would seem to me. And this is why this ministry exists. To try to help people not fall into deception. To not be ensnared um, in the devil's trap. So, uh, let's see here. Let's go further here. Okay, continuing with the article... Uh, the kingdom of darkness has a critical reliance upon darkness. Therefore, as more and more Christians hopefully become aware of these things, it strikes a devastating, crippling blow to the enemy's plans. One of the main things, obvious things, if you think about this, is if you don't, if you aren't aware of these things that they exist, as the vast majority of people are. <clears throat> how do you know to pray about it? You don't, because you're not even aware of it. You don't even think it's a problem. So, that's a critical way in which the enemy's plans are kept back and exposed and is through prayer. And so, without prayer going up about these particular issues, then it's uh, most likely going to stay hidden. <clears throat> and, it, and Satan's agenda will advance further. John 3.19-21 through 21 says, And this is the condemnation that light is come into the world... And men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. Okay, now here we get into this thing about light again. The light that came into the world that they're in reference to is Jesus Christ. You know, and so the light that's coming in the world, but men love darkness rather than light. Because, why? Their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light. Neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. <clears throat> so, let's, um, let's go a little further. The next part of this study is titled, Is Christian Musician Michael W. Smith a Covert Occultist? Or Satanist? If not, then what's going on here? And we're going to get into this. As I've said earlier in researching the obscure corners of the internet, I have come across numerous instances of prominent, quote, Christians who give evidence of occulted allegiances, who display occult symbols and occult messages by various means and methods, and do so in a secretive, coded fashion. In an opening salvo, I offer, for example, Pat Robinson, If you have had the opportunity to read and research the report, I go into some depth about Robinson. I provide considerable context in doing so. At this point, suffice it to say, I ought to try, I ought to, it ought to fry the gizzard, quote, fry the gizzard, of any concerned Christian to see Pat Robertson flashing a Masonic Luciferian hand sign on the cover of Time magazine. And I'm looking, I give you a picture here, he gives you a picture of the actual Time magazine where he's doing this uh, Masonic hand sign. And please notice how this occult symbol flashing activity is hiding in plain sight. I mean, it's on the cover of a magazine, on an evil magazine, Time magazine. Just another mouthpiece for the New World Order, essentially, the elitists. I have had some folks try to argue, well, how secretive can this be if it's on the cover of a magazine? But if one does not understand or know how to recognize or to interpret these symbols and signs, it matters not what is being displayed on the magazine covers, CD covers, or book covers, or other websites of some of these people. To this day, literally 99.999% of Christian community has no awareness or understanding of what Robinson did, Robertson did in this 1986 photo. <clears throat> this is 1986. At this point, some readers may be thinking to themselves, I've watched the man for many years, I've seen no signs of Satanism lurking around the fringes. He's just kind of a sappy, charismatic TV preacher with a few weird eccentricities and a little too much money. 
I would respond first by saying that now you've seen the indication of occultism with this individual. He's displaying this actual hand sign on the cover of Time magazine. You'll be able to see it if you go to the PDF for 6-12-2011, contendingfortruth.com, page, approximately page 11 or 12. <clears throat> this uh, sign that he is displaying is the occult gesture of the lion's paw, also known as the sign of the fellow craft in Freemasonry. And he gives a picture of a man, a Freemason, a, a drawing of a man, Freemason, giving you this same sign. There's one thing where they, they um, I believe that they put you in some type of, I don't know if it's a coffin or something representative of a coffin within the Freemasons and one of their initiations, and they grab you in the actual way that they grab you arm to arm, is called the strong grip of the lion's paw. Okay, he's and this is what this actual occult gesture is displaying regarding this. Uh, I mean, it looks really weird on the cover of Time magazine. It doesn't look like a gesture you would normally make or make it accidentally. They're doing it. They're posing the man on purpose just to let all the Luciferians and all the Satanists know that he's one of ours. We control him, and the Christians ha- don't have a clue for the most part. Freemason would be able to identify that in a heartbeat and identify, well, he's a, a Freemason would interpret that as, well, he's a fellow, he's a fellow brother of the Lodge. <clears throat> and secondly, at this early point, I'll just say that I'm completely aware of this problem of apparent conflicting evidences and indicators coming from some of these occult symbol-flashing Christian leaders, and that these issues are going to be addressed directly if you read along further. As to Michael W. Smith, I had followed the career of this Christian pop mu- musician for years. For whatever reason, his music didn't appeal to me that much, but when my kids came along, they liked watching his videotapes, as he was one of the few Christian artists to have professionally produced concert videos. <clears throat> it was something to keep my kids occupied when they were three or four years old. Now, this is the man writing this article. Having watched him close, <clears throat> up close on these videos, behind-the-scenes footage... In scenes of him at home with his all-American family, and having seen him perform on TV at a number of girly Billy Graham crusades, where he sang and briefly talked about his life, Smith had always come across as completely sincere, very gracious, rather mild-mannered, and very charitable with his fans. He wrote and performed a song at the Columbine Memorial Service. He had at least one song that rose to the top of even the secular charts, My Place in This World. And that was the name of the song. And he had collaborated with Amy Grant over the years. And there's all kind of videos on, on how she's a basically closet Satanist or occultist on Amy Grant. Um, if, uh, I don't know if that's on They Sold Their Soul for Rock and Roll Tape. It's on another one, I think. But she's been exposed as well, Amy Grant, big time. So, uh, let's see here. For those of you not too familiar with Christian pop music, it's fair to say that Smith is at the pinnacle of that particular world. There may have been a couple others who have come close, but he's probably at the, was attained the highest ranking in Christian pop music. <clears throat> now, when I ran across the following information, it really jolted me in a big way. I was my introduction to the mind-boggling possibility of hidden Luciferians who have been deceptively inserted into the Christian culture. Let me say now, when you see some of the evidence below, I certainly agree that we should at least, at least at this point, be looking at any number of possible explanations as to why and how we can see occult symbolism being displayed in a coded and disguised manner on these Michael W. Smith CD covers and other other things of his materials. Now, remember, this is just the start. We're going to give you a boatload of confirmation regarding this. Just on Michael W. Smith alone, not to mention the other people we're going to get into. So, here, for example, is one of his CDs, Christmas time. Ah, wonderful Christmas. Saturnalia, otherwise known as Saturnalia in the occult, which was actually what Christmas was originally. It was just repackaged by the Roman Catholic Church with some type of pseudo-Christian veneer to appease both the pagans and the lukewarm Christians um, at the time that were assimilated into the Roman Catholic Church. Um, nothing more than a pagan holiday. The Christmas time is the birth date of the sun god, Tammuz. It's always been that. Saturnalia, the Yule time occult 
Uh, it was also basically associated with the winter solstice, which is one of the most sacred, um, shortest day of the year, which is one of the absolute most sacred day of the occultists. Okay? So the birth, not the birth of the Son of God, Jesus Christ, but the birth of the Sun God, Tammuz. That's what it always was. I've done whole studies on that. Well, anyway, he's got his Christmas time CD released in 1998. And here's a picture. Now, obviously, you can't see this. You're going to have to go onto the PDF for 61211, com, and you'll see it. And it's a picture of, it's called Christmas time, one word. His spelling, and you know, obviously he's grammatically incorrect there, but uh, it says Michael W. Smith, Christmas time, and it has him in this picture, and he's standing on this chair in the middle of a winter wonderland scene, kind of. It's it's got like some trees and snow covered hill in the background. It's very weird, very occultic looking to me, just right off the bat. First thing I thought of when I saw this is the peace symbol. He's literally in the shape of a peace symbol. And we're going to get into that as well. But this other guy, the guy that wrote this article, picked up something else I really hadn't picked up as well. He picked up even more. So let's start with this picture. On the back, um, okay, let's start with this. On the back of another one of Smith's CDs entitled The Big Picture, released in 1986. And I give you a, a, um, we give you the picture of all these things that we're describing. It's on the PDF. Okay, um, this was released in 1986. His name is spelled backwards on this 1986 CD called The Big Picture. Now, I am not jumping to conclusions here. Nevertheless, I would point out that spelling or talking backwards is very significant in satanic circles. We're going to prove that in a second, okay? And here's the, I'm looking at the picture here of this uh, CD, and he's got his name spelled backwards, Um we're going to get into that actual name in a second because there's way more satanically than just it's being spelled backwards. However, what is really interesting to note, now we're going to get back to the Christmas time CD. Okay, we're, He's making a point here, and we're going to come back to that point. But, However, what is really interesting is that two of the letters in his backwards name are runic runes. If you've ever studied, studied uh, the occult hierarchy of Hitler... Like documentaries, you've ever seen that? If you if you see any of the, the really ones that get into the occult nature of Adolf Hitler and the SS and all of his officers, you will know that they were um, <clears throat> obsessed with these runes. These, uh, I believe, that originated from some Nordic type of background. Uh, because they were obsessed with creating, remember, the fifth root race, which was the perfect Aryan, which is the blonde-haired, blue-eyed, basically, you know, you shall be as gods type of race that they were trying to create through their breeding programs and um, things like that. And they were obsessed with these runes, uh, and, which is kind of like a satanic alphabet. Uh, <clears throat> notice carefully below... Uh, that the T in the Michael Smith that smelled backwards and the M in the Michael Smith, they are totally in a runic form, meaning they're of, of these don't look like normal letters like A, B, C, D, E, F, G. They, they have their own, there are runes that look like letters, okay, but they're, they're, not, they're not real letters in, in our alphabet. They're runic letters and they mean something totally different. But there are, like, the one that looks like the T kind of looks like a, a normal T, or a, a stylized T. It doesn't look like a normal alphabet T like in English. It's different. Well, he's got his name spelled backwards, and he's got all these different fonts for every letter. So see, he could get away with this very easy because he's got all the letters in different fonts, and, and meaning different font styles. So when you look at it, it, they all look like crazy, and they're spelled backward, and two of the letters in particular are runic in nature. When you, when you have all this confusion going along, it's very easy to get away with something like this, in other words. In other words, if it was spelled forward and in one font, and all of a sudden two letters were in runic form, it would really jump out at you. But when it's backwards, and every letter's in a different font, and different letters are different heights and stuff like that, you don't even notice it. Okay, so anyway, the runic alphabet in modern day is related exclusively to occult practices and witchcraft. It is virtually the satanic alphabet. There's a lot of occultists in modern day that are obsessed with these runes. I see this; these runes come up over and over and over again um, in, um, in my studies about the occult and things like that. So, anyway, what he does then is he actually gives you the runic alphabet 
and he gives you, um, he shows you what each one signifies on our alphabet, evidently. And um, the um, the the letter M in the runes uh, looks is representative of our letter M, and the letter T in our alphabet is representative of this T kind of like letter runic letter. Okay, and there's a picture right here, and you can see he's got all of this connected, where you can see these are the exact. He's doing this in a, in a runic form. Now, why in the world would he have this on his album cover spelled backwards? And these letters are actually true. It's not like, you know, oh, somebody was just doodling around. They did this by accident. No, they did this on purpose. And these are the exact runic letters that appear in the runic alphabet, and they stand for the exact letters that Smith is trying to represent in his name spelled backwards. So it's not, there's no accidents here is what we're saying. There are several variations of the runic alphabet, but in researching, I have found that the three major, major versions which have predominated the occult world all have the identical T and M that you see on the back of the Michael W. Smith album. So there's different variations. Satan has a lot of ways that he tends to present things. Now you may be saying, come on, it's just coincidence. They're, they're used several different fonts for stylized print, and they accidentally used a couple of runic letters. Well, Aleister Crowley, the guru of modern-day Satanism and the mentor of many rock groups who fancied himself as the Great Beast, who was one of the highest-level occultists of the time, who, I mean, member of the Order of the Golden Dawn, start, uh, really was one of the, the ones that started the OTO, the Order Templar Orientis, one of the most wicked, evil, debauched, depraved devils on the planet, did things that were just totally unspeakable and admitted and bragged about it to, like, little boys and girls... Um, died a heroin addict who was the absolute modern day mentor for the rock music industry. Aleister Crowley taught in his magic handbook entitled Magic in Theory and Practice for the occultist. He said, here's what you should do for the occultist. Aleister Crowley said, let him learn to write backwards. Let him train himself to think backwards. Um, let him learn himself to walk backwards, listen to phonographs uh, in reverse, let him practice speaking backwards, let him learn to read backwards. Now, if that was an important thing for an occultist to do, why did he say it? It has a lot to do with witchcraft. So, this learning to write backwards is all part of a big tenet of Satanism. The Dictionary of Cults, Sex, Religions, and Occult says that of the rune, R-U-N-E, it says, it's from the German word, Raymond, or Ramun, Raman, meaning secret or mystery. For witchcraft, a rune is a magical chant. There are various rune alphabets used by occult groups. So it's a magical chant. It's, um, so if you have this on an album cover, aren't you just right off the bat? Cursing or bringing some type of demonic baggage with whatever you're doing, particularly if you're spelling things backwards, so it's like double, you know, double evil. Author of the occult symbol, re- author and occult symbol researcher Dr. Kathy Burns was so alarmed by Michael W. Smith's use of the of the runes on his Big Picture album, she wrote Smith requesting an explanation. Here is her reply. When I wrote to Smith, Michael W. Smith, about this, his manager responded. He denied that the record contained runic characters. How can he deny it? It's right there for anybody to see. But he did tell me that if I wanted to know more about runes, that I should check it out in my library for more information. Wow, that is really great. He denied it, and it's totally obvious the man's a total liar. You're looking right at it on this PDF, right off his album cover. So he denies it like the devil that he is, and then he goes on to say, well, if you want to know more, you should check out your local local library. That's great advice. That, that really dispelled all my, all my fears. I don't know about you. I mean, I feel, I think we should just end this study right now because it's just pointless going on, right? Anyway, sorry. Um, this is from a quote from Sean Sellers in The Web of Darkness, page 72. In the book, Web of Darkness, former Satanist, Sean Sellers says, quote, runes are the oldest form of occult knowledge and magic. Their use sets a person against God. End of quote. Wow. 
That's a former Satanist who's obviously highly qualified to speak on the subject. Runes are the oldest form of occult knowledge and magic. They're very, very ancient, these things. And their use sets a person against God. End of quote. Wow. Oh, but I'm sure it was just an innocent, innocent mistake, this whole album cover thing, you know, with Michael W. Smith. He didn't know what he was doing. We're going to really get into this way further. We're just scratching the surface right now, okay? Wait a minute. Take another closer look at the Christmas Time CD cover, which was released 13 years after the aforementioned Big Picture album cover. You will notice that Smith is, again, bringing this runic T and M into play. In other words, the T and the M that were on his Big Picture album cover in the style, in the reverse form of his name, now you see it again on the actual cover of Michael W. Smith Christmas time. What, what better way to celebrate Saturnalia than have some occultic runes right on the, right on the old uh, uh, album cover? In the thing, he's standing on this, like this chair. It's like some kind of wooden chair, okay? The bottom part of the chair, okay? He's full, I'm getting ahead of myself. In the, the chair that he's standing on, his body itself, he's got his head put down, and his arms are extended down about at a 45 degree angle. Okay, it looks like a T with the arms bent down. Kind of like a peace symbol as well. Like a peace symbol without the circle around it. Well, he's forming a runic T with his body. That's what the T in the rune looks like. His, the way his body is on the chair. It's very weird looking. It's very weird looking. There's, there's no reason you would, you would see somebody posing like this unless they were trying to send a signal or a picture. I mean, does that look like... I'm showing Taylor. Does that look like something that anybody would do? So, okay, going so far as to lower his head to round off the top of the T. It really does look like a runic T. And it also looks like a peace symbol um, to a certain extent. And he's standing on top of a chair and the bottom portion of the wood of the chair forms a runic M forms a runic M. That's pretty shocking stuff. So, the same two letters that he emphasized on his Big Picture CD album cover 13 years prior, 13, the number rebellion, he's now doing again on his Christmas time CD celebrating Saturnalia, putting some kind of Christian veneer on that, and he himself is, is now he's actually making himself into the runic T, and the bottom part of the chair forms the rune again. The same two letters. Oh, you know, now I've really gone off the deep end, right? I mean, I'm, I'm just blowing things out of proportion. You know, I'm showing Taylor these, these runes on the runic alphabet. Okay, so I mean, this is really getting pretty heavy duty. Ask the question, what in the world is Smith otherwise doing? Standing on a chair, striking this weird pose out in the middle of the snow. There is, uh, there is therefore evidence... There is therefore simply no mistake in the fact that it, on at least two of his CDs, he's displaying these runic Luciferian symbols. And in doing so, in secret, coded fashion, that is extremely pointedly ominous. Now remember, the use of the runes, according to this occultist, set yourself against God. The, the, some of the highest things in a, the occult world um, are are of these runic um, alphabet letters. Okay, now I, now I just remembered he actually gets into the meanings of these two runes later. But the one that is the stylized, or the runic T, is actually, the, the name of the rune is Taiwaz, and it stands for Tyre, the sky god. I'm looking at right off an occultic website right now that's defining these, and um, so... We're going to get into that a little bit more. The sky god, like the prince of the power of the air. Yeah, I would imagine it's the same one, Satan. Anyway, uh, let's go further. Okay, so, let's go further. Okay, so now also the peace symbol. I think that, that the way he has his body set up could also be... Um, that's the first thing I thought of was a peace symbol when I saw that. that I didn't know, I didn't really know about the whole uh, runic T... Um, thing. I didn't know that was the angle he was going to go after. Because I, I just, I'm not, you know, you can't be versed in everything. And I, I wasn't, I hadn't memorized all the shapes of these runes in my head. But, first thing I thought of when I saw the picture was the peace symbol. Now the peace symbol 
or also known as Nero's Cross, is a broken upside-down cross. To a Roman Emperor Nero, who hated and persecuted the early Christians, it meant destruction of Christianity. Revived in the 60s by the hippies and others who protested nuclear weapons, Western culture and Christian values, it now symbolizes a utopian hope for a new age of global peace and earth-centered unity. But many of the heavy metal rock fans would agree with Nero and use it to mock Christ and his followers. In black masses, a clay cross is held upside down and broken downward to form the same shape as the peace symbol, which is like a broken upside down cross, as a way of blaspheming Jesus Christ and his victory over Satan on the cross. So, just so you know, peace symbols aren't good. Let me, uh, let me first set the stage. You have to take a quick look at the history of the so-called peace symbol as well. Its origins seem to be rather indisputable to me. Here is a quote. Known... As the peace sign, throughout the 60s and into the present day, this symbol is the Teutonic rune of death. So see, it's also its own rune. It's very similar. Um, um, it's, it's, it's kind of similar to the up to the, to the T. Okay, but it's an upside down version of it. And it has, you, you have to look at the, you have to actually look at my PDF. Because a lot of this I just can't describe to you. But, all of the documentation is here in the PDF that will be associated with this teaching. Anyway, um, known as the peace sign throughout the 60s and into the present day, this symbol is the Teutonic rune of death. Okay, that's what the peace symbol is. Uh, 50s peace advocate Gerald Holtum may, may have been commissioned by Bertrand Russell, one of the most evil men on the planet, to design a symbol to unite the leftist peace marchers in 1958. See, a lot of times you see where a lot of these movements got started, it was the actual occultist elite, the New World Order boys, okay, that were the ones that actually uh, found a way to introduce these occult things into society, and then all of a sudden they were adopted by this group or that group, and you know, but you never really knew where it originated from. It is clear that either Holtum or Russell deemed the Teutonic Neuronic Cross as the appropriate symbol for their cause, and that's the peace sign, and that's when you started seeing it, it used. And remember, these have occult, it has occult power, occult significance, and it's like a, it's like basically, you know, you use this sign, it's like you're dealing in the, in, into the realm of witchcraft now. The peace symbol, also called the broken cross, the crow's foot, or the witch's foot, or Nero's cross, the sign of the broken, of the broken Jew, the symbol of the Antichrist is actually a cross with broken arms upside down. Okay, upside down cross is, is another thing, you know, that was, is um, used in satanic practices and it's, it's to blaspheme. But this is the sign where they take a clay cross and they put it upside down, they break the arms down, forming the peace symbol. Okay. Uh, the Germanic tribes who used it attributed the strange and mystical properties to the sign. Um, attributed strange and mystical properties to the peace sign. Such a rune is said to have been used by black magicians in pagan incantations and condemnations. To this very day, the inverted broken cross, identical to the socialist peace symbol, is known in Germany as the Toad's Rune, or the Death Rune. Not only was it ordered by Hitler's National Socialists that it must appear on German death notices, but it was part of the official inscription prescribed for the gravestones of Nazi officers of the dreaded SS. The symbol suited Nazi emphasis on the pagan mysticism. And there they show a they show one of these runes in modern day Germany uh, in the in the ground here. Uh, the crow's foot appears to be crop up at yet another of Michael W. Smith's websites, Rocktown. Okay, the crow's foot or this um, this modified runic T as well. Rocktown is a direct arm and creation of the Michael W. Smith organization. It was named after one of his songs, Again. I normally wouldn't pay... Uh, his, the song... It was named after one of his songs. Okay, I'm sorry. Not The song wasn't named again, but I guess he had a song named that. Okay, again, I wouldn't normally pay much attention to something that could be easily passed off as an arrow. Now this... We're getting back to the runic T now. But that's pretty... But that, that's a pretty stubby arrow, so, the, so stubby, in fact, that it looks like a version of the crow's foot or the occult sing, sing, symbol, given the context. And then, again, um, there's a picture here of, of Rocktown, 
and it's got the very, very first part of it, it looks like this runic T, or very, very similar to a peace symbol as well. I would also say there's almost certainly a dual significance here that this symbol appears yet to be another presentation of the modified runic T that appears on his album covers. Okay, which again, we've got into that in depth already. I say again, one of the things you learn in studying occult symbolism is that devotees come up with all kinds of creative modification. You have already seen some of this and we'll see many more examples as we go along here. These modifications are done for a combination of reasons to afford a certain degree of deniability and or to flat out disguise conceal the symbol being used. So, in other words, somebody could come along and say, hey, what's this symbol that keeps cropping up here? It sure looks like this runic T. Well, what they do is, is they modify these things to the, to the extent where they can have plausible deniability. Oh, no, it's not really that. It's just, it's, if you really look at it close, it's not really that. Okay, that's why they do that. That's why they change these things. Occultists are famous for doing this. For example, thinking back to the Christmas time CD, even though many occult experts and occultists recognize Smith's runic posing on the cover of his CD, in actuality, the undercarriage of the wicker chair he is standing on forms only an approximation of the runic M. Therefore, in the same way, a broad range of variances or cursive or, or printed writing of the English language can still be routinely deciphered by even an average reader. Well, I mean, all you'd have to do is take 20 people and have them write out a sentence, the same sentence, and they're all going to look different, right? Well, it's the same thing the occultists are doing by this. They're using variations and slight modifications in order to be able to, if they ever get accused, they can say, oh, well, they can have plausible deniability. Well, it's, it's, not, it's not that. You're, you're, you're wrong. Oh, right? Well, then why would you do it over and over again? You know, that's, that's where the rubber really meets the road. When you see the same supposed mistake done over and over again on different albums at different times. And the same letters emphasized. Kind of weird. We're going to look, we're going to do more of an in-depth study on that T and that M room and rune soon here. Uh, let's see here. But the occult symbolism and messages are not lost on those who know what they're looking for despite some of the variations and modifications. See, a Satanist or high-level occultist can look at this stuff, look at these album covers, and just sit back and probably laugh and, and say, oh man, we are so far infiltrated into, the, into this so-called pseudo-Christianity. We own you lock, stock, and barrel, and you don't even know it. But, but his music makes me feel so good. I feel so, so neato inside. Neato mosquito. It's wonderful. Well, the Bible says that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? He who trusteth in his own heart is a fool. Because when you're listening to that music, yeah, it might sound great and everything, but what is that? It's your heart. You know, there is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Proverbs 14, 12, and 16, 25. So, in fact, I've gotten the distinct impression that there is almost a kind of competition to see who can come up with the most ingenious modifications and disguises for these symbols. You'll see more of this shortly. In other words, these occultists take pride in this. They, they take pride in their deception. Satan very much would, would be that way. I fully realize at this point many questions coming rushing to people's minds. Please understand, I'm going to attempt to address all these questions as we go along, but it takes some time to do that. That is the purpose of this report. I subsequently had the opportunity to correspond with an expert on the occult, in particular Germanic Norse occultism. She had personal connections with the occult world and had also obtained a degree in anthropology, apparently with an emphasis on occult issues. After looking over Smith's pose on the cover of his Christmas time CD, she was able to routinely provide some interpretation for these particular runes. I was stunned. I thought I would go an entire lifetime without knowing what this secret runic message was. I later discovered, well, I, I just found out the meaning just now, just doing a keyword search, but he's going to go into a little bit further here. He says, I later discovered their meaning, these meanings of these two runes that he keeps coming up over and over in his album cover, and we're going to see the same exact thing with another rune on a, a, a Christian rock group called Third Day. We're going to see the same exact theme with their album covers, where they have the same exact rune emphasized on their album cover. Now, that's probably not going to be this week, but in a future future study that I'm, I'm trying to cover here. Um, okay, so, 
I later discovered their meaning was readily available on the trusty old internet. I, well, the internet's not exactly trusty, but anyway, I had known where, if only I'd known where to look for it. Here were her comments. Now, this is an occultist interpreting these two Michael W. Smith album covers and these two runes that are clearly, clearly identifiable. Uh, her comments and her analysis of the Smith Christmas Time CD cover and has since been confirmed with from, the source, from other sources. She says, quote, in this pose, Michael W. Smith is making the sign of Tyre, the sky god, which is literally the runic T, who, according to Norse mythology, sacrificed his hand to the Fenris wolf in order to save others. It is also a warrior symbol of great courage and of overcoming death. He is standing on an M, the runic M, which is the rune for mankind. I wrote back the following comments. Now, this is the man, obviously, authoring this article. He said, now, when you say his choice of runes signifies the sky god, and that this god is being placed above mankind, because remember, he's standing on the runic M on this Christmas time CD. So you've got the representation of the sky god standing on this runic M, which symbolizes mankind. Hmm, that is very significant to me as a student of the Bible. The ancient manuscripts, which make up the Bible, refer to Lucifer as the prince and the power of the air. Furthermore, the scriptures indicate that for the time being, um, the world is virtually under Lucifer's dominion, although not in his control. Okay, Remember when, when, when Satan took Jesus Christ up to the high place and said, I'll give you all these kingdoms if you would just bow yourself down and, and worship me? Okay? Okay, so anyway, it seems to me a Luciferian would be very interested in depicting Lucifer as reigning supreme over mankind. Let me read that last sentence again. It seems to me a Luciferian would be very interested in depicting Lucifer, in this case, in the runic T form, where Michael W. Smith is making himself in this runic T, Tyre, the sky god, as reigning over the, over supreme over mankind, because he's literally standing on the runic M which stands for mankind. Oh, but it's all a big coincidence. I'm just an old fuddy-duddy. I'm convinced of it. I am. I'm just an old fuddy-duddy. I need to get my head out of the sand. That's my big problem. Just a big coincidence. Just nothing to see here, folks. Just keep keep going, folks. Nothing to see here. You know. Anyway, I don't know what you see from your particular cultural perspective. Now, this is him writing to this occultist. But I can tell you that for Smith to seemingly indicate such a message is spectacularly and utterly in opposition to his purported, quote, conservative Christian philosophy. And once again, given what I have observed in his kindly, charitable demeanor, it's indicative to me of an ominous Jekyll and Hyde thing going on. Well, that's how Luciferians always portray themselves. Not so much Satanists, but I'm talking generational, bloodline Luciferians, typically. They present themselves with two sides. They present themselves as the benevolent side that they show to humanity. And then they also have the other side. They Actually, that's part of the Luciferian religion. Okay? That you have to balance your good and your bad deeds, supposedly. To a certain extent. So they, they give this, this garbage Christian, pseudo-Christian veneer, or this gar- garbage philanthropic veneer, like a lot of the rich elite do, you know, oh, we, we opened this hospital and we donated to this and we did that, and it's all self-serving. But on the, inwardly, they're ravening wolves. Inwardly, they're going to their cult services and ceremonies and sacrifices and practicing high-level witchcraft. But see, that helps to preserve the veneer. Now, what I think one of the things that we should be praying about is that these Satanists, these Luciferians, particularly in the Christian ranks, that they be exposed for what they are. Judgment must begin at the house of the Lord. They need to be exposed for what they are. People are following these people right into hell. If the blind lead at the blind, they'll both fall into a ditch. One of the most merciful things we could pray is that these hidden Luciferians and Satanists that particularly are at the head of these different, whether it's Christian rock, whether it's 
megachurches, whether it's whatever, Christian organizations, that they be exposed. That the darkness that they are under, this, this cover, this cloak of darkness, be taken away and the light be put on them. And that they be exposed and judged in this lifetime. That hopefully many of their followers will see the light and break away from this stuff and get away from following a man or a, a pseudo-cult almost and get into the Word of God and follow the Lord Jesus Christ and realize that we're living in the most deceptive time most likely the world has ever known. And it's only going to get worse. Wish I had better news for you, but that's pretty much what the Bible says. So, you see how important this stuff is in the grand scheme of things? You know how many... I mean, this is stuff that... People are totally deceived about, deluded about this type of stuff. Uh, let's go further here. <clears throat> In the occult world, not only is Tyre, which is this stylized runic, with this, this runic T, not stylized, but this runic T, not only is Tyre, which is T-Y-R, known as the sky god, but also the Egyptian god Ra is also known as the sky god. Now remember, Satan always repackages everything. You know, for one generation, you know, you've got this, like, Tammuz, okay, in, in, in um, Semiramis, and, in, 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 okay, so you, you go to another generation, and Semiramis will be repackaged as either Aphrodite or Isis or whatever. They're just repackaged forms of different deities that people worship. Okay, so... In Egypt, the god Ra is also known as the sky god. Okay? Uh, from a biblical perspective, we know Satan has come by a number of aliases. It seems a pretty fair surmising that referencing the sky god Ra and Tyre are therefore likely aliases of Satan himself. By the way, if you research the pagan religions of the world throughout America, it is intriguing how often the sky god concept comes into play. America... And I said that on purpose that way. And Quetzalcoatl are two different names of supposedly two different pagan deities. Huh, what are you talking about? I thought that that uh, Vespucci guy was the guy that named America. Well, I, I think that we've been lied to about that too. In the most prevalent versions of American history, the, orig the origin of the name America is attributed to the Italian explorer Amerigo Vespucci. This popular distortion of the true origin of the native America... Amer, it's, it's spelled A-M-A-R-U-C-A, okay, which translates as Land of the Great Plumed Serpent. That's what America actually means, the Land of the Great Plumed Serpent, like the Sky God. Very, very similar. And it may be finally gaining more credibility among scholars to restore the name Amer Amaruka to its rightful place. This is, this is the actual source of the word America, in other words. Recent discoveries in Peru may lead to more conclusive evidence concerning the relationships between North and South American indigenous people. I, I just believe the only reason this hasn't come to light is because this information has been widely suppressed. They don't want, nobody wants, the, the New World Order boys don't want you knowing what America really stands for, or where it got its actual name from. As discoveries continue to unearth ancient Incan cities, writings pertaining to the mysterious origins of America are sure to be found. I mean, think about it. you got North America, South America, Central America. I mean, everybody thinks of America, Sisboomba, rah, 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 apple pie, and Chevrolets, and all this other stuff. Okay, but well, why, are they, why is it named South America, which has nothing to do with our America, the USA, or Central America? Well, that's the, that's the actual name. Now, some of the, this Quetzalcoatl, this Quetzalcoatl, I've read, man, regarding this end times, Tom Horn's done a lot of research on Quetzalcoatl, and, and regarding this end times, great plumed serpent, the, at the end of the Mayan calendar, the great plumed serpent is supposed to come. And Quetzalcoatl figures greatly into the next particularly into this whole end-of-the-world Mayan calendar deal, that you know, December 21st, 2012 thing. So, I thought that that was significant as well, because, man, have I seen a lot on Quetzalcoatl. Now, I give you a picture of America, which is basically this, um, uh, they show this great plume serpent. It's basically like a snake with wings. 
So, this is from William Cooper, and this was an audio that he did, and it's called Mystery Babylon, I think it's part 24, The America's Assignment. Part 24 in a series, and I give you the links here, you can listen to it, in a series of live broadcasts by William Cooper on the Hour of hour of the Time shortwave radio program on Mystery Babylon. Okay, Contrary to the official story by the powers that be that America got her name from explorer Amerigo Vespucci, the truth is that the name America comes from a more ancient American source. Ameruka translates from the land of the great plume serpent. William Cooper, in the three-part segment of the Mystery Babylon series, takes you on a journey back to the beginning of all that and brings you forward from that point to the present. Now, he, William Cooper, you know, I, not to say I agree with every single thing the guy ever said, but... I really believe the vast majority of what he got into is true. He was definitely a, a high-level, high-level governmental, um, had a lot of uh, inside information, and ultimately paid for it with his life. I mean, he was assassinated. He was killed because of what he was coming out saying at the time. So this is a guy that literally died to get this information out. And... Um, He's, then it goes on to say, it'll bring you forward from that point to present so that finally you will have an understanding of America's assignment with destiny. The random versus conspiracy view, conspiracy view of history. The history and legends of ancient America and how they influence present day America. The Aztecs, Quetzalcoatl, and the religion of the plume serpent. And I give you the, the MP3 link right here. So that again was something I got Separately, a lot of the stuff I just added in here because I wanted you to have more confirmation. Not just like one paragraph and then we go on. I wanted you to have a lot more confirmation when we talk about these things. So, back to the main article. Uh, Let's see here. Both of these entities played a role in the South American pagan antiquity. And both are described as the plumed or winged flying serpent gods. Airborne serpent gods. May we derive a hint here. Are the two different deities merely a disguised Satan? Add Ra and Tyre to the list, and whether the Canaanite god Moloch is yet another alias for Satan, it seems clear that over the course of thousands of years, the devil has fronted behind several different deity facades, and even seems to have shifted his focus of activity geographically for whatever reason. From Egypt to Canaan, to the Aztecs, and to the Mayans in South America, to the uh, goddess Diana uh, Luciferia, a.k.a. the Catholic Mary, arguably the central deity of the Roman Empire, to the British Isles and Druidism, along with the Germanic peoples and also the Viking culture, each seems to have recognized a single supreme pagan deity and yet referred to this god by a series of different names. Even in the Bible, there is recognition of different names um, for... Satan, Satan, Beelzebub, Lucifer, the serpent, the dragon. Michael W. Smith's rune, uh, here's a documented link, and they give you these runes blown up so you can really take a good look at them. Um, Not to say there's not a whole bunch of other pictures of them in here. Um, So, this is just one of the things that that we're going to be looking at in this particular study here. Um... I'm looking at the next part of what we have to get into, and this is a whole other part that we're going to um, kind of shift gears a little bit. But it's going to it's going to stay on uh, Michael W. Smith, and we're going to be getting into the Alan uh, Parsons project a little bit as well. Okay, I just looked ahead, and this is a whole other topic that I'm going to have to be getting into. We're going to the next part of it. We're going to actually be getting into the Eye of Ra, or the All Knowing Eye of Lucifer. And um, we're going to be seeing how that plays into this whole subject, and how that's very prevalent on a lot in a lot of Christian churches and on album covers and things of that nature. But um, uh, we've actually already covered 21, essentially, well, about 20 pages of information. So I'm going to go ahead and end it there today. And now, if you're not convinced, okay, at this point, I understand. But just remember, <laughs> we got a long way to go. And uh, I have already done a, a teaching on Christian rock, a law, an old teaching that you can reference on contendingfortruth.com. Just do a, a keyword search for just the word rock, and you'll see it. It's like the pet sin of Christian rock. And you can listen to that, which will bolster what we're saying here as well. Um, we're getting a little bit more into the absolute total occult aspect, the hidden Luciferian occult aspect of 
a lot of these Christian um, music groups and um, also Christian ministries. And it's just going to take a long time to cover. So, remember, he that judgeth the matter before he heareth it, it is a folly and a shame unto him. So, if you're not convinced at this point, well, just remember, we're going to give you a whole lot more. And we're going to go a lot more in depth on this. But it's just going to take me a while to get through all this. It's, it's a, just a volume of information that, that has to be gone over. And so, uh, I'll go ahead and uh, we'll go ahead and close this out in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this day and this time you've given us. We thank you, Lord God, that you've allowed us to come together again to look over these things, Lord God, these devices of Satan. I pray it would serve to be as a warning to the body of Christ, that your name would be glorified through this this information, uh, that blind eyes would be opened and deaf ears would be opened, Lord, and that you give us, again, eyes to see, um, hearts to receive, and ears to hear regarding your truth, Lord God, and that we would not be ignorant of Satan's devices, that you would forgive us for any and all sins we've committed in any way, shape, or form as we forgive those who have sinned against us. And that, Lord God, whatever we need to pray about regarding these issues that you would have the body of Christ start to earnestly pray about. Because these issues, Lord God, are bondage. They're total bondage that most people in Christianity are totally blinded to. 100% for the most part. And they need to have their eyes open, Lord. They, they, um, I pray that they're not destroyed for lack of knowledge. And that they yield to the truth and that they humble themselves uh, regarding these matters that seem to be so unbelievably obvious when look at, when we look at them, Lord. And we praise you, Lord. I pray your name be glorified through this ministry, through the body of Christ, Lord God, through my listeners, and that many would be saved as a result of your efforts through, through us. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.